the service headline news. I am Marty Smith. I'm Eric Perot. I'm Jake Wall. We're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and maybe have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. One of these days, we should say that all together. And then we could sound really, really like a high school announcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, high school AV club. <laughs> it would be so stupid. Anyways, good to be back with the two of you. Jake, how Jake left for a little while, uh, came back with a what's the year of that Land Cruiser you brought back? I got a uh Japanese model 96 uh Toyota Land Cruiser Prado, and it is wonderful. It's the turbo diesel, but it's the only problem is well, it's right hand drive, <laughs> so <laughs> and everything's in kilometers. So, uh, what kind of problem did that cause you driving you home? Well, I, it's a weird I got perspective, a ticket, but... yeah, from my perspective, and the um, the police highway patrol of Iowa, <laughs> 120 kilometers is 75 miles an hour, and that's probably not the best thing to do in a 60 area. So, <laughs> he gave me a ticket, uh, put it on my dash, and then promptly was like, so how's the truck? It looks pretty clean. And I'm like, oh. man, I don't want to BS with you now. Yeah, don't be my buddy now. Yeah. Give me a warning and I'll show you the whole thing. I don't care. <laughs> I'll even take you out for one. Yeah, I'll let you drive. Let's go, buddy. So how um, is it being right-hand drive? How is it going on base? You just piss them off or do you reach all no, the way I just, across? Uh, I just reach across. Yeah, oh, around. you should make him walk around, man. I the the first time I went on base, the guy did that, and it threw me off. He stopped <laughs> me, like he put his hand out like a traffic guard, stopped me, walked in front, and then waved me forward. So, <laughs> because those three extra steps back to the window were too far. <laughs> One second. Tell him the window yeah. doesn't work. You got to come around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's good. Um, the only thing that's really throwing me off is that the blinkers are on the right-hand side of the steering column. Um, so I turn on the wipers on occasion. <laughs> like the first three days I was turning wipers on. So, At least it's not yeah. uh, right-hand drive. At least it's not like, hey, I turn my blinkers up, and that's a left turn. <laughs> yeah no no yeah that would be weird <laughs> yeah well glad to have no, you back awesome. glad to yeah, have you thanks, back man. uh okay on this day in history november 1st 1952 the united states explodes the first hydrogen bomb in a test in the marshall islands it's called Iniwatak in the marshall islands the test gave the united states a short-lived advantage in a nuclear arms race with the soviet union Following the successful Soviet detonation of an atomic device in, in September 1949, the United States accelerated its program to develop the next stage in atomic weaponry, the hydrogen bomb or a thermonuclear bomb. Popularly known uh, as the hydrogen bomb, this new weapon was approximately 1,000 times more powerful than conventional nuclear devices. Opponents of development of the hydrogen bomb included Robert Oppenheimer, one of the fathers of the atomic bomb. He and others argued that little would be accomplished except the speeding up of the arms race 
since it was assumed that the Soviets would quickly follow suit, which they did. Yep. Soviet Union. Years ago, doing it again. Uh, yeah, right. exactly. Space, 100%, right? Yep. Yeah, that's the... Uh, yeah, all the stuff that's up there is crazy. Uh, Soviet Union exploded a thermonuclear device the following year, and by the late 1970s, seven nations had constructed hydrogen bombs. Wow. So, November 1st, 1952. Way to lead the way, U.S. Way to wait. Way to lead the way. Well, we did for a while. There you go. Iran's still out there. It's like, hey... Fuckers, we still want one. You know, like <laughs> the Israelis are like, you never get one, buddy. <laughs> okay, first story is from is an opinion piece by a guy named Frank Larkin that was in the Navy Times. Uh the headline is Outrage over NFL brain injuries, silence over military brain injuries. So this was in light of a well, about a month ago now. Um when Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback for the Dolphins, got basically a concussion. They didn't call it a concussion. Then he played the week after that, and he got knocked out, right? Yep. So yep. Uh, the NFL has since tightened its concussion protocols to make it harder for players to return to a game after a serious hit to the head, which mounting evidence suggests can cause long-term physical or psychological effects. Uh, the outpouring of concern over what is an occupational hazard for NFL players is in stark contrast to a similar occupational hazard faced by U.S. service members. Indeed, there is only muted discussion in the public discourse about the brain injury dangers service members face going about their daily business, either in combat or in training. And I, you know, I think we all know it's out there. Um, yes. But really, there, yeah, there's no concussion protocol. I've seen guys like fall from tracks, you know, eight feet up and it is like, come on, get in the track. We're going out, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you never really think about it. You watch the NFL and then you see 53 guys kneel and hold hands and stuff. And I was like, ah, come on, you know, uh, yeah. but the military is like, come on, you're holding us up, get on the truck. And the guy wobbles back. And, uh, uh, so there's, a, there's some interesting, that's why I thought I'd bring it up because it's like, Oh yeah, all those injuries lead into a bad road later. So, hey Marty, as an artillery guy, how bad was the concussion from the 105s or some type of artillery piece? Could that concuss a, a person being close enough? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there was when we were training up for Desert Shield. We had to go train up our National Guard Roundout Brigade. And one of the things, you know, gun crews, when you take a break, uh, you're still all hooked up, right? All your lines are all hooked up. So they may call a fire mission in the middle of your lunch. Right. And so when they call a fire mission, everyone on the gun line yells, fire mission. That kind of tells you, hey, get your shit on and get in the gun. Well, these National Guard guys were so bad at it. They were sitting. They had a guy sitting, eating his lunch while the rest of his crew was loading around. Ooh. Nobody bothered to check. And they pulled that lanyard, and that guy was sitting next to the gun. Oh, jeez. And he rolled off, and blood was coming out of his ears. And I was like, you dumb shit. Oh, my goodness. So it's pretty bad. Um, it's weird if you're inside the track. The concussion is kind of – it's weird because it's, like, deflected out. So you almost don't even need earplugs inside the track. It's that muted in there. But hmm. outside, if you're – outside because a lot of that blast goes sideways if you watch those muzzle brakes 
they deflect a lot of that blast sideways. And yeah, it deflected right onto that guy. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's wonder pretty what bad. Kind of protocol he went through. Uh right, right. You know, and there's that one scene in um Black Hawk Down where the two guys were lost and they were oh, yeah. running it. Yeah. And he was like, Hold on, and he started firing at M60 and it was right next to that guy's. He's like, yeah. Oh, I can't hear for for like the next hour. He was like, Nah, nah I can't hear. <laughs> that shit. The other guy had the saw. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, let's see where, where it says, uh, and yet, um, and yet brain injuries are pervasive for the men and women in uniform service members can sustain what are known as mild traumatic brain injuries or M TBIs in many ways. Uh, including athletics, recreational activities, physical training, falls, motor vehicle accidents, and exposure to explosive blasts. There you uh, go. Researchers reported about the military in the Journal of the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, military, quote, military MTBI is also random and unpredictable, ranging from a single injury. This is a scary part. Ranging from a single injury to many thousands of traumatic injuries over similar time periods, depending on an individual's chance exposure to blasts and impacts, researchers said. While MTBI is the most common traumatic brain injury affecting military personnel, it is the most difficult to diagnose and the least well understood. A 2017 study published in the American Journal of Epidemiology concluded that Quote, mild traumatic brain injury is considered one of the signature injuries of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, with as many as 23% of U.S. veterans who served in these conflicts reporting at least oh one, one MTBI during the military service. So basically a quarter of the people who were over there got and at least know, one. It, it would be interesting, too, now to go back and look at some of the servicemen that passed away and do autopsies like they do on you know, some of these guys in the NFL that have committed suicide to see if that CTE, uh, that new. And not not to, not to get too muddy on this um, because they have started doing some of those, they've done one initial study. And so there's this level of like traumatic brain injury, concussion, and then CTE. Um, And it gets, it's, it's a fascinating read, but so far they've said, okay, military aren't showing the CTE that like boxers or old football players are showing. But that's just, that's where it stops. That's just what they said. Okay. It's not showing those parts of the brain on autopsies. It's not showing that same CTE effect. Uh, That doesn't mean it's not affecting everything else. So mild traumatic brain injuries predominantly occur at the microscopic level, challenging medicine's ability to diagnose them with current imaging technology. That's worrisome. Uh, Undiagnosed traumatic brain injuries often complicate other conditions of war, such as post-traumatic stress disorders, morale injuries, and substance abuse. Experts characterize this complex rubric rubric of conditions as, quote-unquote, invisible wounds. You can't convince me that's not related to our suicide rate either. Uh, that's It's common. You're jumping the story, Eric. You're 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 all you go, Eric. You ruined the surprise. You're all <laughs> the rock is in the house. <laughs> you're taking away the you're taking away the twist at the end. 
another Money. major concern about brain injury, especially for service members and veterans, is the link to suicide. As the Department of Veterans Affairs noted in its 2020 annual report on suicide among veterans, Veterans Health Administration patients who died by suicide are more likely to have sleep disorders, traumatic brain injury, or a pain diagnosis than, uh, than other VHA patients. Similarly, a study in the journal uh, Psychological Services found that post-9-11 veterans with a history of traumatic brain injuries were at much greater risk for considering suicide. Mm. Now, to follow that up, uh, and is, this was actually uh, a story back in August. So, uh, you know, the question I have is, what's the military doing? What's the VA doing? Well, they're starting to study it now. They're actually really doing studies. Um, and this was reported from the Military Times in August. Uh, Pentagon plan aims to treat and prevent TDIs for the long haul. So in addition, uh, there's some studies out there and they're kind of conflicting and they haven't really pulled anything down to uh, say, yes, this is what's causing that. But I think we've all been around long enough. We've all read enough stuff, especially about sports. You know, I mean, you hear yeah. all these old sports guys are like, hey, they've taken so many hits. Uh, and you're like, why did that guy commit suicide? You're like, oh, Jesus. Well, why is he in the drugs? You know, why is all that stuff? And I think um, TBIs, concussions, CTE have a lot to play play into that. But this, <laughs> this is one of their first plans to try to treat TBIs, right? Here, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> After years of nudges toward a comprehensive strategy to deal with traumatic brain injuries, the Pentagon in August published a plan for its Here's here's another great title. Department of Defense Warfighter Brain Health Initiative. There we go. What is that? Uh, overall, this blueprint aims to identify each service member's baseline brain health while developing policies to prevent, identify, and treat brain damage caused not only by combat, but by repeated shakes and blasts during training. So essentially what they're what their initial plan is here. And it sounds good on paper, but I'll let you make your own decisions. So they, I think they want to try to give you like this baseline brain scan, you know, how, what's your cognitive ability, what your brain waves look like and all that stuff. And I think what they're intending is, okay, after so much time, we will take another scan. I don't know how much time that is. Maybe after an action, maybe after a deployment. Yeah. And then they compare it to that baseline. So it sounds okay. That's that's a reasonable doctor way to kind of go about it. Um, did did you have to take one of those TBI tests before you deployed that last time? No, I never did. So, so you know that that random crew with Jimmy Jozzle, me, right? Um, we had to take. We had to go to the base chapel and take TBI tests beforehand, and it was basically a series of tests like one through five are push push the left key six through ten push the right key go and you had to see how fast you could do it and and then it was like okay next one longer longer lines you push up and shorter lines you push down right okay well we had just gotten off of like swings or mids 
And Jimmy and I are sitting there in that TBI test together, right? First of yeah. all, don't put us together because we're going to dick around, <laughs> right? But it, we had just come in early in the morning after a swing, and they had the lights low oh. in the room. Yeah. And I'm doing this test, and I look over, and Jimmy is just asleep. He is just out <laughs> at his desk. And I'm like, Jimmy. And he goes, click. And he clicked past the instructions. <laughs> and and it was like, he's trying to ask me what the instructions are. And there was, there was one of them where it was like odd or even. Odd, go left. Even, go right. And then there's the other one, one through five kind of thing. And he's like, what are the instructions? What do I do? And I'm like, what, what do you want? And he goes, the numbers. I go, odd or even, because that's what I was on. Yeah. And odd is left, even's right. And he's like, okay. So he fails this whole freaking <laughs> module because he was on the one through five is left. And right, he demolishes it. He gets better after we get back from the deployment. Oh. I'm like, Jimmy, you're the only one to improve after a deployment. This is impressive. They're going to study you medically. <laughs> See, that sounds more like, like it was really co your cognitive thinking, not so much a brain injury. I mean, I get it why they were doing it, setting a baseline. Yeah. But it was yeah. it was setting that baseline, right? Right. But, but man, it, it's not fair because we were working mids, we were doing all this stuff. Right. It, it right. was like it was doomed in the beginning. So once they kind of get that baseline for you, I get it. I, I see what they're trying to do, but then. They want to see if they can minimize threats in the environment to MTBIs for the military. <clears throat> that includes, uh, I mean, they say the plan cascades into efforts to prevent TBIs as well as track and treat them in the long term, citing the need to use evidence-based processes and techniques that are already being researched and implemented in civilian healthcare. Great. I, it sounds great. That sounds great on the slide. One of the ways that they want to do this is to evaluate weapons for the potential to cause concussive injuries, the way they're already tested for other potential bodily harm. Currently, weapons and weapon systems are evaluated for auditory and or lung effects, because air, which we do nothing to prevent, right? Yeah. It's not like, hey, uh, take this... Uh, m95 mask because of covid but if you're out there in the dust and sand we'll just give you a bandana yeah that would be good for you yeah, yeah, yeah you should be all right <laughs> uh <laughs> they're evaluated for auditory and or lung effects because air-filled organs such as ears and lungs are susceptible to overpressure waves the department does not have procedures or protocols established to conduct health hazard assessments to evaluate the brain for blast effects, namely blast overpressure effects on physical or cognitive performance. So at least at least some of the ball is rolling. Um, uh, but you know, in the ten years I had in the army, I think they gave you earplugs. You know, that was that was the most protective gear we had. That was the answer to everything. That was the answer to everything. Now that, you I know, sat on a flight line in in, in Kunsan, Korea. With F-16s blasting at the blast walls all day long. Here's yep. your flimsy little spongy earplugs. I'm sure I'm fine. Your triple. Oh, you had the spongy ones. Yeah. I didn't even have the orange ones. Yeah. yeah. Spongy the, the little foamies. The little yellow foamies, man. Those things yeah. are suck. 
Uh, but yeah, you were on Flightline, Jake. I mean, were you just wearing earplugs all the time, or I mean, yeah. headphones? You had yeah. headphones, right? Well, no, we had because I was on the A10. We only had to have single ear plug, ear protection because it's because it's like a quieter plane. Yeah, <laughs> but we're right next to the flight line, and the F-16s were ripping by all the time, all day long. Oh, and then, and then, like we're at the end of the flight line, so that's right where they'd afterburner to take off. Oh man! So they they finally did a health assessment, and there was a guy walking around with a decimal meter for a week. And he's like, yeah, you guys should have really been wearing three or double ear protection for all this time. Yes. Uh, and that, you know, and that's after we'd been there. You know, I had been there three years. It was the same thing so, at the range, guys. When you wore, you yeah. wore, you shot your M16, you, you put a freaking foamy in and you were good. Yeah, yep. that's what they said. Yeah, crazy. Uh, okay, so on to our next story. Uh, what do you got, Jake? All right, man. I was uh, looking at that Pearl Harbor story where, where is it at? U.S. military to finally drain, well, not finally, it says U.S. military to drain Pearl Harbor pipeline after petroleum leak. So the the gist of it is that Pearl Harbor, um, in base housing and on base, they've been supplying water and moving people off base because none of the water is uh, potable. So they've been doing this for years, evidently. Um, And then as of last week, the US military will begin to drain 1 million gallons of fuel from three pipelines at a World War II era fuel storage facility that leaked petroleum into Pearl Harbor's tap water. Wow. So it it did it last year and they stopped the leak, but then that was after it got thousands of people sick. Mm. So um, the pipeline, which is, I mean, this is kind of cool, but the pipeline runs about three miles um, from the Red Hill bulk fuel storage facility. So it's up the mountain down. So gravity fed into Pearl Harbor area. And they're draining them one by one, beginning um, actually today. So is it the, underground or is it above ground? Yeah, I don't remember seeing any above ground fuel lines. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the fuel has been um, sitting in the pipes since the military suspended its use of the Red Hill facility last year after the leak. Um, so they just left it full. Yeah, they stopped the leak and sealed it off, and they were like, all right, I don't know what we're going to do with this. should be good now. This is beginning um, to become like a lawyer's fat dream. Oh, this is de- – we're definitely going to see some oh. – some... You think Camp, you think Camp, Camp Lejeune had a – This will uh, be huge. Oh, yeah. You know, a lawsuit. There's definitely going to see be some TV commercials about this. Oh, if yeah. you were injured in the fuel leak of Pearl nope. Harbor – you spent any right. time ever at yeah, Pearl Harbor. Ever. If you saw Pearl Harbor. And your fingernails have fallen off, come yeah. see me. Oh, yeah. So it, it ended up affecting, and and it says nearly 6,000 people, mostly military personnel and their families, sought medical attention for rashes, sores, oh. nausea, and other ailments after drinking and bathing in the contaminated water. Oh, so, 
So who who knows yeah. how long they were going? And you know, those first people who were like, I got this weird rash, doc. And I'm like, <laughs> well, and, and you know, there's some hydrocortisone. You should be good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so military doctors is like, oh yeah, that's just a heat rash. You're kind of, you're fine. Right. So yeah, yeah that was right. interesting. I mean, that kind of, it, it's just, it's every few years that we run into one of these issues on base, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Camp Lejeune has that Peterson lawsuit for water. Yeah. Uh, Peterson had that issue where they were using that, that fire retardant where the company said it was eco-friendly and then it turned out it was soaking into the fuel or soaking in the water table down in security oh it was yeah so because Uh, they were like oh this is eco-friendly and they were spending tons of money more on that one because it was friendly and then turned out it wasn't and the military was just washing it down the drain because they're like it's fine and it dissolves. <laughs> so I guess they, on military dime, they moved a bunch of people off base and moved them to all the other bases around there or hotels if they could. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So, so it so, makes sense. Like they got enough facilities out there, but you might have people driving from like all the way on the other side of, of the island. Well, it could be. I mean, there's because there's Bellows over there, which is yeah, that's a Navy resort base, base. right? And it's a got, resort base, and then you got Kaneohe Bay, which is the big Navy Marine one. You got Fort yeah. Shafter, which doesn't have a lot, yep. but then you also have the um, Tripler. So Tripler, yeah, Tripler Army Medical Center. That's the mm-hmm. big one in Oahu. Uh, it's a pink building. They call it the pink lady. So um, that's uh, so they have housing up there as well. So there's housing that they can push all the people from Pearl to. Um, but, you know, it, I guess that all of Pearl Harbor just has nobody in base housing. That's crazy. Is that it, Jake? Yeah, that's it. And uh, I guess the chickens are going to be running wild, though, taking over the place. <laughs> Because there's a bunch of wild chickens on that base. It's hilarious. I'm I'm there. I'm eating the shit out of them chickens. Yeah. They've been soaking in the water too. So that would probably kill me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, they're already fueled up. (laughs) Try to barbecue those sons of bitches. You blow blow up sky high. (laughs) All right, Eric, take us home. All right, fellas. This is, this, some, this is, is created some very distinct feelings when I read this article. Uh, from one extreme to the other. So this this article I found was by Leo Shane III out of the Military Times. And it's titled, Extremism Among Vets Needs Study and Prevention, Lawmakers Warn. So we're not just talking about studying it. We're talking about an obvious threat, according to this thing. So federal officials need to find new ways to study and prevent extremism among veterans before the problem becomes widespread, according to a new report released by Democratic lawmakers on the House Veteran Affairs Committee on Thursday. So I read the article and thought, okay, we're talking about vets who have some passion. I can dig that. And then I went, oh, shit, they're really dogging us out. Not They're trying to fit us all into one pool. We're all terrible, terrible people. And then I said, hmm, 
now it's starting to sound very political. And I think you'll agree with me when I finish reading this thing to you. Acknowledging the unfortunate reality that violent extremism is a small but growing threat among the U.S. veteran population does not impugn all veterans, the report states. Rather, ignoring the threat of veteran-involved violent extremism does a disservice to those who continue to support and defend the Constitution following their military service. The report follows a series of hearings and inquiries by the committee over the last year into the issue of extremism and radicalization. Oh. According to their findings, veterans have been involved in about 10% of all domestic terrorist plots and attacks in the last seven years. Over the last 30 years, individuals with military backgrounds, and you're going to love this, individuals with military backgrounds have killed 314 individuals and injured nearly 2,000 others in violence rooted in extremist ideology. Uh, how are they defining extremism? Well, and I'm going to give you a couple. Yeah, what's going on with that? These, this ideology, they, they state... Uh, they include incidents such as the 1995 bombing of the federal, federal building in Oklahoma City. Oh, McVay? Yeah, he's a wackadoodle. The okay. 1996 Olympic Park bombing in Atlanta and the 2012 Skia Temple shooting in Wisconsin. The vast majority of the nation's approximately 18 million living veterans remain law-abiding citizens following their military service and the vast majority of domestic violent extremist crimes are not committed by veterans. So it's almost trying to walk itself yeah. back. Yeah, it said no. it, and now it's like, well, wait a minute. No, all of you, just a few of them. So nevertheless, empirical evidence suggests that individuals with military backgrounds have become increasingly involved with violent extremist plots and attacks in recent years. Take a guess on what incident they're starting at basing this whole study on January 6th, January 6th, the issue of extremism in the military community oh, gained public attention after the January 6th, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. The report. It, it, so hold on a second. It didn't mention the Fort Hood shooting or any of those shootings, right? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Why not? Exactly. That guy, was I mean, a that guy, that guy killed that guy. I mean, yeah, but. Uh, it's only the ones that are fitting this criteria, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's what's annoying. I get, you know, come on, man. Yeah. Well, and that's where I was I was going with the political comment. You know, yeah. it was released by Democratic lawmakers. It's almost like they're trying to point towards the patriotic piece of the Republican Party. I don't know. We we could discuss that all day long. But no, I think it's a, I think it's a, a a constant. It's constant in this war against the military uh, uh, yeah yeah i would agree because it's it's funny there's certain there, there's certain political bents up there that want to have war because it means a lot of money from the contractors but they don't agree with a fighting force of our own and so they've been it seems like they've been trying to neuter it for only you know, if they can control it only if they can control it right control but, that narrative right yeah. Well, the control the fighting force. Oh, okay. All well, right. and in all fairness, it should be mentioned that the only one who died in January 6th 
was Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force vet. Yeah. Now, if they throw her in and go, oh, she was radical, I was like, well, I have I have a, a figure for you. The report notes that 15% of individuals charged with crimes that day in 2021 have military backgrounds. Veterans and current service members make up about 7% of the U.S. population. So 15% out of that group that was charged so were military double. background veterans. So the ratio would be double normal population status then, right? Yep. That's what they're saying by statistic-wise, yeah. Yep. But the inclusion of that event carried out by support, and here's another political statement, but the inclusion of that event carried out by supporters of former President Donald Trump, an attempt to stop the certification of his 2020 election loss, has prompted accusations from the Republican committee members in recent months that the extremism investigation is politically motivated. It's it's just so, um, you know, the examples that they chose. Okay, McVeigh, uh, yes, I, I think he had an Army background. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he was truly radicalized. Um, Which, why don't who, they go that, to, who are you talking about, Jack, uh, Marty? What's that? Who are you talking about? McVeigh, Timothy McVeigh. Okay. He said Oklahoma yeah. City, right? Yep. Um, but then why don't they go back to Oswald? Oswald was in the Marines. He shot the president. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> well, I think it, it it really looks like they were just trying to to really make a study over the last thirty years. And you're right; that should have been involved. But how um, veterans are part of this whole domestic terrorist threat, and I don't see it that blown up. I I think they're overlooking a fact that I, it's not fifty fifty Democrat to Republican in this in in the military you but you'll find a ton of almost libertarian independent people yeah and and i also think a big contributing factor i'm not saying military guys are anti-government but a lot of times they have a first-hand perspective of the the horse crap that goes along in government, you know? Yeah. See, you get jerked, jerked around by the medical. We've laughed about it multiple times already. You know, even today they get jerked around by the medical, they get jerked around by housing. Yeah. They get, there's nothing that goes smoothly. No. And then they just see this carry on throughout every level of our politics. But I think to um, to add to what you're saying, you're exactly right. But to add to what you're saying is the mentality that they're doing when they're joining up, right? Uh-huh. Now, there's, you know, few, I, I think there have been people who have joined because of like 9-11. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I, I want to serve my country, right? Uh, but still, the majority of people who are, who are joining up, uh, it's not just joining up for college, you know, they, they, they also have a sense of patriotism. They're like, I want to serve. I want to be part of this, whatever bigger group is, you know, I yeah. want my life to mean something. And then you start suffering exactly what you're talking about, Jake, you get screwed over on your assignment or, you know, you get skipped I, over some, for promotion, skipped over for promotion. Yeah. You get some random stupid accusation. You get a commander who doesn't like you. Yeah. Um, and, and you see politicians just 
hey, we need to do this. We need to go over there and fight this. But not my kids, not my family, not anybody right. that's going to this school. Right. We yep. definitely I mean, take, don't want that. Take the example of Joe Guanyo, who just passed away on Friday, the Vietnam vet I interviewed. He joined, right, at 17. He was all in. You know, he was 11 Bravo. He's an infantryman. Um, he did his duty. He talks about how <clears throat> there's parts in his interview where he talked about nobody ran. He said, you hear that shit in the movies and stuff? He goes, no, none of us ran. He goes, you ran out of bullets? He's like, use your knife. You don't have your knife? You know, swing your shovel. You know, it's just that was the attitude they had. And they stuck together and they fought that out and they gave all the way up to almost death, right? They gave of themselves. Then they come back and you have the VA denying them claims. You're like, Oh yeah. no, we didn't, we didn't spray you with agent orange. You know, yeah. um, you, you, you yeah. see them fight for land. And then the next order is like, okay, pull back. And then the NVA would move in on the land. They just, they just captured. Yeah, you well, know, and it just, Afghanistan is a perfect example of that. Look, we exactly. spent twenty years there, and then they're like, "Okay, give it back," and that. And you're sitting there going, "What was this for? Like, what was that all the, for?" Now you're yeah, the majority of the guys you'll talk to are, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but but they're not doing it for a specific mission and a patriotic cause. When they start getting into it, they do it for the guys and girls next to them, right? You don't want to disappoint your team. You don't want to let down your captain or, you know, you want to keep going and you, you want to keep pushing so that everyone else gets out the same way that you will, you know, but, but you see that dedication to your, your fellow, you know, service member. And then you look at the leadership above you and they've got a full, like all the politicians, a hundred percent different healthcare program. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. There's no way they're in it for their fellow people. You know, you look at it and you're like, why did they pass this bill? And why does it have this much trash? And that was literally so they could just carry on sucking money out of the freaking system well look at look at it earlier this year where they passed the pact act right Right. for all this for all this burn pit stuff right and burn pit is just you know it's it's yes there's bad but nobody's just standing in diesel smoke yeah yeah, but anyway so they pass that act and the first thing i thought of when we read that story was why did this needed to be passed why is yeah. it just the VA recognizing these ailments, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm interested to see what else is in that. Oh, yeah. It's, right? It's, because there's it's always right? something else in it. Oh, for sure. And, you know, because we're on this podcast and, you know, we can say what we want. Look at the guys. Look at the guys who go, hey, I'm going to go. I, You know, I want to do more. I want to serve the country more. I'm going to go try to go through buds. Okay, I got through buds. Let me try to uh, get tabbed as, as a as a seal, right? Oh shit, I'm one of the top one percent of the military. Yeah, fucking back slapping, hand slapping, right? Dude, you're badass. And they send me over. I do these missions. I come back. Fucking, I'm still a badass. 
And then, oh, wait, what What was that? I got to take this COVID vaccine? I don't want to take that COVID. Well, we're going to kick you out. It's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> After what I just yeah. did for you? Yes, exactly. Shit, man. So the, the disillusionment piece of, hey, I started where I wanted to serve my country, and I thought uh, they'd have my back. And when the government doesn't have your back, that's where the anger is. You yeah, know, you become the, very disillusioned, disillusioned with the whole process. In the in the words that stuck with me from Joe Guano, said, "I love my country. I hate my government." And that was, yeah. at, you know, that was after he got out of service, right? And yeah. the way he was treated, and yeah. he was like, "God, I mean, man, just that's right, just the gross misuse of your tax money, you know, with with end of year funds." Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me wrap this up for you. I, I just I want to give you these two two quotes. Um, I think you've radicalized me, Eric. <laughs> the report findings call for you're going to love this ending. The report findings call for federal agencies, including the Department of Veteran Affairs and Defense, and outside groups to fund research to better understand how, why, and how often domestic violent extremists occurs within the veteran community. Officials also said that veteran affairs officials should train clinical and benefit staff to recognize signs of extremism oh. or signs that an individual may be susceptible to recruiting efforts by problematic groups. Oh my God. In a what statement accompanying the report, committee chairman Mark Ticano, he's a Democrat from California, setting, said ignoring the issue of extremist recruiting and targeting veterans could jeopardize the strength of our democracy oh, and in the future. Ideology motivated violence must be rejected by everyone in public office, and it must be a bipartisan concern. That concludes the article. And that, that whole thing is problematic because who's saying what is a problematic group? Yeah, who gets to define right? And, and I'm sure at any level in the, you go to a general group, you could find a consensus on what a list of problematic groups could be. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But then handing that over to a governing authority and then having that, having them be able to modify it as they see fit. Yeah. It's them putting the stamp of extremism on your group. Yeah, that's uh, and then I mean that's, that's a slippery dangerous. slope. That yeah. shit is dangerous, man. Yes, sir. And, and that's I just why hate, I hate to see any rights go away. You know, any like any rights just going away. Yeah, is is just a horrible thing to me. Whether I agree with it or not, or I think it's a good idea, it just. Giving that authority to say yes or no to the government is not the best thing. We've we've you know we've seen it happen on yeah. multiple different occasions. Sure. All right. Well, on that downer note, uh, <laughs> it's definitely no share on the USS Missouri. That's for sure. But uh, oh man, we have to have about fish names. <laughs> we have to revisit that. 
Okay, on behalf of Master Sergeant Perot and Senior Master Sergeant Wall, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and share the podcast with someone else. Let us know how we did in the comments, and as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. We're supposed to do it together. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh hold on, oh. Pull that trigger again, man. <laughs> Make sure to download the next episode for more service headlines. Oh, man. (laughs) All right, man. I'll see you next week.